Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man back. It's Peter St. Ange. He's visiting fellow economics, the Heritage Foundation. Just a really great guy, too. Peter, Happy New Year. How are you? Hey, Happy New Year. It's great to see you, Joe. You know, happy days are here again. If I listen to the left, if I listen to Biden, we've got more jobs than ever. He's created more jobs than anybody else has ever on the planet. And, uh, and it turns out I am making more money. My wages are up. Although, Peter, when I look at my bank account, I'm literally one-third less in the bank than I was when Biden took office. The right yeah. says the, the economy sucks. So who's right? Well, you know, Joe, you only have yourself to blame because that's right. Joe Biden created the most jobs in American history. Of course, the way he did it is that his friends kept the lockdowns going until the very last moment. Right. So that they could let it all go and let all those jobs go on uh, Joe Biden's account there. So, of course, every single policy that the Biden administration has rolled off has been anti-jobs. It's been regulation. It's been government spending. It's been hobbling the real economy, selling the manufacturing economy down the river, trying to do what they can to bail out banks. Every single thing they've done has been crony handouts. The economy has always been an afterthought for these guys. And we're seeing it in the jobs numbers, right? The past year, remember, we had that big debate over whether uh, we were in a recession because they right. had two quarters of negative growth, which has been the definition of the recession for about 90 years now. But, you know, they, they, they reinvent words. That's just a skill uh, Joe Biden has. Yes. And, right, so we ran through that rough patch. And even since then, we've had really anemic growth just crawling along, barely staying above the zero line. And what we've got in there, what growth we do have in there is coming from government spending. That is something that our grandkids are going to dream of paying one day. Well, it's Peter St. Ange. Uh, you could follow him at PeterStAnge.com. Yeah, so what, what bothers me is that I know that any jobs that they're talking about, they're touting are, are new jobs. Many of those are part-time. But yeah. then again, almost every single month, Peter, the, the news media tells me, the left media says, hey, greatest job creation ever, when you and I both know, if we look at the actual unemployment rate, it's fictitious. It's fictitious yep. because it, it's coming from a lower pool, a lower number. As people leave the, the workforce and stop looking for jobs between the working ages of whatever the hell it is, 16 to 65 or whatever, when they leave, that makes the pool smaller, so the jobs, the people that have jobs make it look like we're more employed than we really are. Are we reporting that correctly at all? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So they've got a number of uh, sort of funny adjustments they make to all these numbers, and that's what's making them look good. So when you look at the unemployment rate, a lot of people don't realize the unemployment rate, that's counting people who don't have a job but are actively looking for a job, right? So that's two categories of workers who don't show up there. One of them are people who just, they just gave up, all right? They cannot find any kind of work. Maybe they're living with mom, they're living with relatives, they're barely scraping by. Another big category is people who go on government benefits. Okay. Okay, they're not looking for work because they got a great life, frankly. They got the taxpayers shelling out so they can sit on the couch. Are they not counted either? Play Xbox. Hmm? They're not counted either? Nope, they're not counted as unemployed. I didn't unemployed. know that. Yep, unemployed only means you don't have a job and you would like a job. If you don't want a job, if you're fine living at home or living off uh, government benefits, then you do not count as unemployed. So what that means is that since the beginning of COVID, we've lost over 5 million Americans out of the labor force. So they, they retired early and they just decided to go stretch the savings longer and longer. Uh, some of them did. You know, they, they gave up uh, full-time work. They go live with mom now. And then a lot of them, you know, we see them on the streets of places like Philadelphia, San Francisco. Right. Those people sitting out there bent over on fentanyl, they are not unemployed. They are not looking for work. Wow. 
that, that that's a stunning way to look at it. Is there any push in Washington to revise that, or does the Uniparty, because there are people on both sides that do this, are they happy that we're playing games with the numbers, making Americans feel like it's better than it is? Yeah, I think the Uniparty has this kind of tacit agreement, you know, so whichever party is not in power is going to sit and complain about this. You know, they say, ah, you guys are cooking the numbers, and as soon as they get in power... They're fine and dandy with that. So, you know, I think this is just across the board. Both parties, uh, they want to hide the numbers. You know, another one is, is the one that you were talking about earlier there, Joe, with the part-time versus the full-time work. So in these latest job numbers, they were, you know, New York Times was excited about them. They were calling them blockbuster numbers. just shows uh, the magic of Bidenomics. But what happened there is our economy lost one and a half million full-time jobs. Wow. Right, And then those were replaced by part-time work that's either gig work like DoorDash yeah. uh, you know part-time gigs or it's people who are forced to take on second jobs all of those show up as a job all right so if your economy loses 1.5 million full-time breadwinner jobs but you pile on 1.6 million of DoorDash and second shifts at night then the news media is going to say look at that 100,000 jobs the job composition has been atrocious, and that's exactly what's happening is that people are dropping out of full-time work. The statistics just call anything a job, so the statistics look magical, but you actually look at people, and, you know, the media has been confused, right? They say, why is it? We look at the numbers. The numbers are amazing, but then we look at the polling numbers, and everybody says it's miserable. Well, you have people see it with their own eyes, right? right? People can see the difference between a full-time job and a part-time job. Final point here, when we're looking at job composition, is that there was just a study recently. Over half of the new jobs over the past year, over half of those jobs have been government jobs. They've either been direct with the government or they've been social assistance, things like taking care of migrants. That is not how you grow an economy, all right? That is how you drain an economy dry. So even what full-time jobs we do have, over half of those are really parasitic on the rest of the economy that makes stuff. I appreciate you bringing fact. It's uh, Peter St. Ange. It's at um, Prof. St. Ange over on Twitter. Is that what it is? Yep, that's what it is. Okay, go go and follow him there. He's a great follow. Uh, two, two statements for you, and I, I want your reaction if you don't mind. Well, one's just sort of to make you chuckle a little bit. One of my favorite comments about jobs in the past five years was when Donald Trump was the president and AOC was being interviewed. And the interviewer said, look, the job numbers are looking really good. Um, lower taxes, lower regulation, that's working. The unemployment rate is lower. And her response, because she's a, an economist from, like, Boston University or something. Um, her response was, well, that's because people are getting two jobs because they can't afford to live. What? So, so she actually thought one person having two or three jobs somehow helped the unemployment rate, which, of course, it doesn't. So that was right. one of my favorite things. And the, the news media narrative right now is, with any... Name the member of the Biden administration when they come on. The question is, with the economy going so great, why do you think Americans don't understand it? You just alluded to that. Because Americans aren't stupid. They see their bank account. Americans yeah. know they're working paycheck to paycheck. But yep. it, how, how much does that make you cringe, Peter, when you see every single person from Blinken on down to KJP, all yeah. of them say, well, the Americans just don't understand how good they have it. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, you know, we've gotten used to it at this point. I mean, they've been doing it my entire life, so... Yeah. 50 years at this point that they've been lying and gaslighting and, you know, telling people that they're too stupid to see the world as they can see it around us. I think, honestly, I'm very optimistic at this point. The reason is because they went so far over their skis during COVID, just the yes. out and out lies, 
so many people saw it. You know, 10 years ago, if you said something like government statistics are a lie and the news media is playing along, all right, if you said that, most people would think you're crazy. All right, at this point, there is a substantial number of Americans. You can argue if it's 40 or 60%, there's a ton of people who understand that they're all lying to us. So, yes, they're lying. Yes, it's frustrating. But I'll say this is a lot better than it used to be in terms of people actually understanding Good. the BS that comes out of Washington. Well, that is promising. Good. It's uh, Peter St. Ange. Make sure you go and follow him everywhere, PeterStAnange.com. Um, i got to ask you about the, the deficit and the debt. I, I don't understand it because I can't. I can't go and spend a bunch of money I don't have. The government somehow made itself a sweetheart deal where it can spend way over the top of what it has available to it, mm -hmm. and then they blame the rich and the people making money that they're not paying enough taxes to cover it. So at $34 trillion, if you had the button, Peter, and, you, and somebody said to you, the Lord said, Peter, fix it, how would you fix it? Can you? Sure. You either put in a balanced budget amendment, which the Uniparty will not accept, right. or you know what does the same thing economically is you default. You stop paying the interest. And so what would the result of that be? Oh, you would have, it would be fantastic, Joe. Uh, <laughs> you would have the major banks collapse. It would be what should have happened in 2008, which is all these thieving bastards would have gone under. Their banks would have been bought up by people like Warren Buffett, honest businessmen, all right, for a song. Their shareholders would have been wiped out. The foreign, the, it would be a sad day in China, I'll tell you that. They'd be completely stiffed. Yeah. And historically, when you have a default like that, what happens is the government issues effectively brand new debt, new script. And that brand new debt is believed because it can't be defaulted. Why is it believed? Because you issue that new money to the widows and orphans. Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, right? Yeah. You issue new debt for those things. You're talking maybe nine, all right? The other $25 trillion, what would happen at that point is nobody would lend you money. Because nobody would believe that the federal government is going to repay, as it should be. Because it's true. The federal government is no way they're going to repay. They got so so, so let's, say, let's say we owe yeah. it all to China. I know that it's yeah. owed elsewhere, too, but China owns right. the, the, the lion's share. If yeah. we defaulted, we just yeah. tell them pound sand? They can do nothing? Correct. That's why we have a large military. For once, we should use it for something <laughs> that actually benefits the American people. Yep. So, I'm we, so sorry we, this is happening to you. Right. I, I'm sorry you're not going to get paid back. I mean, uh, do you know how much it is that we're paying back in interest every day? Have you broken it down to a daily thing? Uh, yeah, it comes out to, let's see, about $1 trillion a year. So that's about $3 billion per day in interest. And remember, of course, we don't have any money, so that $3 billion is borrowed. On and, then, and, and then if we keep on printing money, For the sure. money that we do have is worth even less. Yes, correct. It's like water in the wine. Every dollar they print gets poured into your real dollars, and you're left with 98 cents, 96, 92, 88, all the way down the line. Well, it's uh, Peter St. Ange. Uh, go and follow him everywhere, especially over on X. Um, it, when we had Mike Johnson brought in as the, uh, the Speaker of the House, we're like, yay, conservative guy, going to be fiscally irresponsible, and, and you've got the purse strings. Peter, if I hear one more person tell me how the purse strings are in the House of Representatives, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to barf, because they never do anything with it. They never really hold anybody responsible. They never use that leverage. And now we've got a guy who j he's touting his own praises. I don't know Mike Johnson. looks like a nice guy. But he literally just said yes to everything Chuck Schumer wanted. But what am yeah. I missing? I mean, instead of $1.6 which is still too much, he said, let's do $1.7. Screw it. Yep. Yeah, no, it is. The Union Party is in on this. You know, you've, you've got these lobbyists and these institutional interests in D.C. They will take care 
of both parties, right? If you're a Republican in Congress, when you retire, you're going to have a cushy job. You're going to be the chancellor of some university. All right, all of that is bought and paid during your career. So until we get, you know, we're not going to need establishment Republicans. You're going to need some guys who are pretty out there, maybe on the right. MAGA side. You're going to need a lot of them if you're going to change things in Washington. The concern is that realistically, we're not going to get those guys until we get into a crisis. So it'd be nice if we didn't, if it didn't work that way, but unfortunately, I think it probably. Well, is. I might, I might be stupid, but I think we're in a financial crisis right now. I think we're close, if if we're not there. Let, let me let me ask you this: when it when it comes to the whole idea of shutting down the government, oh, I'm going to shut down the government if I don't agree with Schumer. If, I, if we use our leverage and use the purse strings and use the control of the money, we're going to shut down government. Everybody's veterans, wives, and orphans won't get paid oh. the money they deserve. Uh, Peter, how bad a, a deal is it if we let the government shut down and use that leverage we gave the House? Yeah, absolutely. The government could cover all of the things that voters actually want with tax revenue. All right. So Social Security, uh, you know, care for the elderly, the things that we that voters actually do want. Right. Could be covered by regular uh, revenue, just regular taxes. Right. They wouldn't have to borrow a penny. All of the borrowing is going for crap that voters do not want. It's handouts to big businesses, crony subsidies, the green business, the diversity, the foreign wars, the wars of choice. All of that stuff would get cut off. So, right, my ideal is – and remember, they're not shutting down the government. What they're shutting down is the authority to borrow new money. Uh. All right. Now, if you did that, then Washington has two options. Now, they could either do what they always do, which is to cut off Granny first, to use her as a human shield – for every last dollar of, you know, lap, whatever it is, trans lap dapping in, in, uh, in Iraq, whatever they're exactly. into. Exactly. Right, right, right. Right? So what they, that's what they always do, right? They cut off the dollars that Americans actually want. Uh, Washington Monument. Okay, they always close that down because they don't have enough money for that. Yeah, like, you, can't, you, can't go, you can't go to the federal parks. You can't go and enjoy your, the wildlife. Yeah, exactly. all that stuff. They, the, um, they actually call it the firefighters first strategy. All right? So you cut dumb. the firemen first. And then you let all that other crap float. All right. They do that every single time. The media plays along. They say, oh, my God, the Republicans are going to starve grandma. She's going to be on the cat food. Now, if these people actually cared about the country, what they would do instead is they would say, well, we have enough tax revenue to cover Social Security and the national parks and the rest of it. So instead, let's get rid of all this other crap that we don't need. All right. All these wars that nobody wants, all these crony subsidies for electric vehicles, all the crap that the lobbyists got in there, the you know money for Wall Street, the rest of it, that's what they would cut. So what that's going to take, though, is that the voters have to see through this garbage. They have to see past the lying media and actually see how the game is played in Washington. And those who are running the House should say those things that you just said, and they're not for saying sure. that. They're, all, all they say is we don't want to default. We don't want to shut down yep. government. Uh, it, it, and it's it's maddening, to be honest with you. Um, yep. I, I've got I've to ask you this. If, um, if in fact, the the leverage were used, what happens day one if the shutdown of government happens? Is it literally they have the discretion to go through line by line and say, let's pay for these things and let's put these off until Schumer agrees? Yeah, if both sides are actually doing this in good faith, then they can absolutely sit down and they can prioritize payments. Uh, you know, the country has been through a lot in 250 years, and there yeah. are various times that we've done that. You go through and prioritize what actually has to get done, what can we save for later? If both parties are actually good faith. 
what is most likely is that the parties are, you know, they're, they're going to be uh, sort of this gladiator battle in front of media for who caused what problem. And so right. in reality, they're not going to do that. Uh, but if we sort of dream of a Washington where people cared about the country instead of their own party, then that's exactly what they would do. They would just go line by line and they would say, OK, this is really necessary. we got to spend this. This one is not. This one is. Peter com. Go there and follow him right now. One last question. When did baseline budgeting start? And is it still 8%? I don't think people watching and listening understand that, like, every year there's just an automatic increase in, in the budget just because they can. Yeah, it's a larger problem in Washington, which is that it is so massive at this point. Right. The reason they started that was because it was just too complicated to do the budget. I mean, what you know, you're talking six trillion dollars. Give me a break. Right. Who's got time for that? So what they do is they say, OK, well, let's just Xerox last year's budget and tweak it a little bit. All right. This is a broader problem. Our government should not be that big. It should actually be manageable. It should be of a size where you sit down and say, OK, is this program performing? Because 98 percent of government programs are not. Right. Or do we still need this function or do we still need, I don't know, a military base in some random country? All right. That would be the dream world. They actually sit down and go through every spending and say, is this necessary? Is it necessary? Because, look, households do that. We who pay the bills. Right. We got to sit down with our credit card statement every couple months, at least once a year. You go yes. through and you say, wait, am I still using Hulu? Am I still doing this? You got to you got to cross that stuff out and cancel it. Right. Washington needs to live by the same rules. Because keep in mind, Washington, all of us work for our money. Washington has nothing. Right. Everything they have is stolen. At least they could have the decency to go through and cross out the stuff that's not needed. Peter, come back on soon. I really appreciate the knowledge. Go to PeterStonge.com. It's S-T-O-N-G-E.com. And uh, go follow him over on X and everywhere else. Peter, thanks a million. Thank you, Joe. It's great. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. Dab, you're really glad to have Peter St. Ange on. If you missed any part of that or Tom Fitton, I'll have both those interviews up on Rumble tonight. Rumble.com slash Joe Pags, J-O-E-P-A-G-S. We'll also have the entire show up there. Make sure you're following on Instagram, Joe Talk Show, YouTube, Joe Talk Show, Joe Pags over on Truth, also on TikTok. That's Polo, that's Sam, that's Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. This is the Joe Pags Show.